Welcome to the So Wizards podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin Broom, along with Matt Moderno today, uh, Ron Oaks Cunningham. My usual co-host is uh, otherwise occupied tonight. And so Matt and I, we we did a, an episode similar to what we're doing today previously, where we did the crossover. So we'll do, basically, we're going to record for a while tonight, and part of it will go on the So Wizards podcast stream, and part of it will go on the Believe in Wizards podcast stream. So once you finish listening to this or finish listening to the Believe in Wizards, just switch. So, Matt, welcome. It's a good call. Uh, hopefully people are rated, reviewed, and subscribed to both already. And good for Ron for doing something smarter with like a summer evening than talking about the Wizards for an hour and 45 minutes See, or whatever. I don't want to put Ron's business all out in the street or anything, but he's working. So, oh, okay. That's yeah. honestly and, making money is still better than talking yeah, to the he's, wizards. He, yeah, he's so yeah, he's he's making some money, which is which is good. Hey, you and I, you know, like we said, we're making tens of dollars here. That's so exactly right. Yeah, with with <laughs> dozens of listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So hey, both our listeners really they contribute well. And, that's right. Uh, hey, mom and dad. Yeah. My parents don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> they're they're smart people then. Yeah. Uh, that's how I feel on ours. I'm like, my dad will text me something about what we talked about. And I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? You don't even like the wizards. You're a smarter person than me. Yeah. Well, your dad, you know, I like that, that your dad is like willing to listen and support you, what you're saying, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, but that does remind me, I always forget to ask people to rate and uh, subscribe. So if you haven't subscribed to the So Wizard podcast, please, please do. If you, um, would like to please go to like the apple podcast write a glowing review write a um, you know leave a really high rating um apparently the the ratings i mean the the written reviews actually do help uh in the search algorithm and help people find the podcast so it would be greatly appreciated if you could take two minutes and say something nice about the podcast in the in the review section so anyway enough um pandering let's um <laughs> All right. The requisite. What is your cat's name? Uh, this is Arlo. He is a, a huge Wizards fan. For anyone who isn't watching the video stream of this, my cat really loves to talk about the Wizards. So yeah, and he he every time we record, uh, he makes an appearance. Yeah. He, so, he uh, needs you to know that he's here for this yeah. convo. That it's it's two on one, Kevin. We're we're gonna we're coming at you. So, all right. Um, in this section of the podcast, we are going to talk summer league because the Wizards just finished. Um, they finished three and two. They finished with a better offensive rating than defensive rating. They finished, I think, about plus six or seven points per, um, you know, 100 possessions net rating. And um, that would normally lead to, like, positive feelings about uh, Summer League as a whole. And yet it still feels somehow really disappointing. I think the cutoffs is just such a bad you know, almost embarrassing start that it like mentally, I don't know that any of us ever like recovered from that. That first half was so just putrid and uh, yeah. Okay. They made that game competitive, but like the Pistons stopped caring when they just like literally took us to the woodshed for the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened later too, where like the games that they won, you know, when they beat the who did they beat in the last game? Was it the Pacers? Pacers. Yeah. No one from the Pacers of consequence played. And I mean, it was uh, that run that the Wizards made at the beginning of the fourth quarter was like so predictable. Actually, my I, I was I was about to say I was watching with my wife. I was watching the game. She was doing something else in proximity in, to her yeah. in proximity. And I actually turned to her and I said, the Wizards are about to go on a run. And she looked up and said, like, what? 
And um, I said, the Pacers have five guys on the floor that I've never heard of. <laughs> so, or no, no, it wasn't the Pacers. Pardon me. It was the Warriors. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, in the, the playoff Warriors. team. <laughs> Different team wearing blue and yellow. I hear quotes, playoff game. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, they've got five guys I've literally never heard of. And mm-hmm. and then the Wizards, I mean, they went on a 20-0 run and that was, that was the game. So, but for me, I think part of what's disappointing about the summer league is that basically nobody that they wanted to play well played well yeah yeah the people you need to show up and like the wizards take a weird approach like some teams take as many good players as they can stockpile onto one roster and tell them we have two spots claw and fight each other to the death to do it yeah the wizards take their two or three draft picks typically their second rounders because their first rounders are usually from past years are too good for summer league apparently because we draft so many world beaters and they fill out the roster with people that they think will complement them or not really even compete for starts but they're basically building out the go-go roster with the rest of their selections and if the ceiling for the people you're filling out the team with is is you know reserves on your g league team it, it just there's not a lot to be excited about as a fan of the big team. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. It's I, you know, I wrote about this on, I think it was on draft day or draft night where you look at a team like Memphis that made several moves and they, they ended up, I mean, that team is loaded with young talent. Like they really go legitimately like 10 deep or nine deep of guys like 25 and under who can really just flat out play. And they go out and on draft night, they make moves so they can come out with four more guys who can maybe some of them won't play very well. And maybe, you know, some of them will go to the G League for a while and then maybe come back up later. But then you've got the Wizards. As they, they sit there, they take whoever it is that's, you know, left when they get to their pick. And then I guess the way to interpret their move is they, their lack of moves is that they just literally didn't like any other player in the draft. Mm-hmm. And that seems a little far-fetched considering how the draft went and the quality of some of the players that were available. Some of them played really well in, in summer league. And this is the thing, like people always do the summer league is confirmation bias. So if the guys you like play poorly, summer league is meaningless. And if the guys you, you don't, you know, like it's just one of those things where like you, you let it mean whatever it means. You look at the Memphis team. I think you and I both liked what they did. They looked awful for two of their games, like really, really awful, but they had different guys flash in different games. And I think summer league, that's all you're looking for is flashes of what a guy can bring to an NBA court. They don't know the system yet. They're not playing in the same context. They play in the NBA. You're not going to throw the ball into the post to Kenny Lofton 25 times in an NBA game. So it doesn't matter if he shoots a poor percentage one night, and looks good another, you saw Mm -hmm. he can go at Chet Holmgren and put a body into him and and things that are like meaningful takeaways. Yeah. There were no meaningful takeaways for any of the Wizards players. Yeah. And then the other thing that I think that you, you look for with um, is, is so part of what I think, what I'm looking for anyway, when I'm watching summer league or when I'm analyzing summer league is, is like the, I guess the theory of the player, like what is, how is this player going to be successful or how can this player be successful in the mm-hmm. NBA with how that player is currently currently built, currently his current skill set, all that kind of stuff. Assuming, you know, the kinds of improvements that 
all young guys can theoretically make, but not assuming that like suddenly, um, I don't know, like Johnny Davis is going to go away and come back in training camp. He's going to look like Kobe, right? No, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, but he could go away and like the shot will be marginally improved. His ball handle will be a little improved and maybe he'll be a little bit more ready to be effective. But <clears throat> so when I'm watching, I'm trying to figure out like, how does this guy's game, how does what he's doing on the court fit in an NBA context? And so Vernon Carey, for example, was productive. He had a good summer league. He played well. Um, the question is, <laughs> you and Damo had it, talked about it exactly right. It's like, how many, how many jump hooks, how many times are, are the Wizards going to run a post-up for Vernon Carey? This might be the one team that's, that's willing to do it, though, in all fairness. Well, and to, to shoot jump hooks over. But here's the thing. At the NBA level, is he at 6'9", without he's not a great leaper, is he going to be able to get that shot? Is he going to be able to establish position against, you know, let's leave Joel Embiid out of it, but just like a real NBA center. And Is he doing a good over Robin Lopez if the, the first big's off the bench for yeah, somebody? There's yeah. no chance. I mean, either of the Lopez brothers yeah. is just going to – he's not going to be able to post them up, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they're going to knock him out of the way exactly. um, or push him out of the way, and that's that's going to be bad, right? And then the, similar with Eshenike, who, again, I like. Mm-hmm. He's He played nice, had a nice summer league. He, yeah. he was solid. The thing is, is like, you know, those really big, slow plotters are being played out of the NBA. There, there isn't, if this was 1987, you know, he could bang with Felton Spencer, you know. But then you saw that in the first summer league game specifically, the Pistons have drafted the guys that translate into modern basketball that are hyper athletic, that run the floor. Yeah. And they ran circles around our two guys. And yeah. I, we can spend a lot of time on him later, but. They did a lot better when they went small and put Todd at the five. Now he didn't do an amazing job of stopping Durin, but it had allowed yeah. them to run. He can at least run up and down the court faster than than the Jaime or Vernon can. And again, so it's not good, but at least it translates to to somewhat closer to modern basketball. And they got back into that game because they just said like, "Oh, running is actually good." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, you know, as I looked at. It, Look at this, like there, those two we just mentioned, Carrie, Eshenike, there's no way that either of them should take minutes, should get minutes away from like Daniel Gafford, who he's not skilled, but Gafford is in that like run and jump mold. Mm-hmm. He's mobile. He can run. He can dunk. He, he's, he's a terrific athlete. Yep. Um, that's much more in terms of like what a useful player type is in the NBA that's he's a much more useful kind of player. Um, you mentioned Isaiah Todd. Um, I'll get I, it out I was, of the way. <laughs> I I was just I was really disappointed. Same. Um, yeah. Same. Th- and I, I don't think there's any other way to do it, especially with the way that like Tommy Shepard talked about him before um, summer league started when they were you know working out and he was talking about like all of the archetypes that he fits and how he's like. And then you watch him play, and I still don't get it. I still, you know, he was he was t- really bad in summer league. There's just no yeah. other way to play. Yeah, it. I mean, I, they know he was bad. He knows he's bad. We know he's bad. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I, I have been like the lone defender of Isaiah Todd. 
Yeah. And it's less about Todd himself and more about like the Todd experiment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we could do this now, or we could, we could save it for like the archetype discussion later, but it, there's, there's no way to watch what he did and think it wasn't 90% bad. I, I mean, I, I still, again, try to look at the positives from a player in summer league and as bad as all the bad was, I still saw more positives from Todd than I saw from Johnny Davis. Uh, that's just my own personal take. So uh, it's funny that you say that because uh, I ran numbers on G League. My I ran my PPA stat, not G League, excuse me, Summer League, mm-hmm. and I ran my PPA stat. So uh, among Wizards players with, um, so for those who aren't familiar, in my PPA metric, I set 100 so that it's average in the league that it's in. So the 100 being is a, being average is average for Summer League, okay? So, and higher is better. So Can I guess good. what they were? Uh, sure, sure. So let's go. So just real quick, Isaiah Todd and Johnny Davis are among Wizards players with at least 100 possessions played were, were the bottom two. Did they combine to break 80? No. Oh, <laughs> that's tough. Did they combine to break 60? No. Oh, shit. Okay. So they're like in the 20s each. Uh, worse. Oh my God. Yeah. That's pretty hard to do. I don't think you yeah. and I have talked about players that low period. Now, granted it is a terribly low sample size, but it is. Um, y- you would expect, uh, I don't know. At least... I did some experiments with um, Johnny Davis's, but just so you, Isaiah Todd's PPA was one. Yeah. That's good. At least it's Average positive. Is 100. Can you be negative? Is there a negative yeah. PPA? Yeah. Now? You can't okay. be negative. Yeah. And Johnny Davis was a um, negative 42. Oh, okay, good. Okay, well, so um, somebody go. said, well, if if Davis hit a few more shots, um, then then you know his his entire like summer league feels different. And so I did an experiment where I added made field goals and you know changed his point total as well. Everything else stayed the same, just added field goals, made field goals uh, until he got to the point where he was above broke league average summer league average and effective field goal percentage mm-hmm. and um that raised his ppa up to like in the range of like 30 to 35 something like that so, so encouraging yeah yeah in 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 the nba over the course of a full season just so folks know i i replacement level is 45 the idea being basically at, at a 45 and below that's that's about the average average for like the like the the worst eleventh man in the league. Yeah, your friend, your fringe rosterable at that point. Yeah, right? the the idea is you could pick up somebody from the G League or yeah. off the street, and that you could get probably about that level of play from that person. I again, I, I try to look for like the few like tiny little good takeaways, and I saw a couple people tweet about like, well, Johnny Davis played really good defense in summer league. I'm like, nobody plays really good defense in summer league. First yeah. of all, it, it is a track meet. And a lot of times you'll see guys like turned and facing, you know, John Morant in the crowd while their man is scoring on them. Like it, it just, you, you didn't see anything that blew you away about Johnny Davis defensively. It doesn't mean that he won't be a fine defensive player. It's not what I'm saying, but like I, that's that's someone straining to look for some silver lining that doesn't exist. Yeah. Also, I mean, I, I think that that's was. I think that claim strains credulity a bit. Yeah, right. uh, you know, I I wanted to like Davis, uh, but 
I didn't think that his defense was good. He certainly wasn't like a disruptive defender. Now at Wisconsin, he was a good defender without producing like steals and blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he certainly did not produce steals and blocks here. The, the thing that concerns me uh, about him a little bit, I, I'm let me just preface this by saying I'm not that concerned with Johnny Davis, sure. right? This is his first taste of, of pro ball. And it's, it's a challenging, challenging thing. You know, Kevin Pelton makes the point that Davis's diet of shots at Wisconsin, you know, taking difficult shots and, and making them, that's tough to translate uh, into. He's the not going to get those in the NBA. They're going to bench him for that. Well, that, but plus it's just, you know, in college, the athletes aren't as good. They aren't as big. And so you can make that move and you can, well, one, you're getting past guys. Um, And two, when you get past, if you don't get past them, they're six, two, and they have short arms and you can just jump over them and get your shot off Mm -hmm. in the NBA. The guys that he's going to be facing are at least as fast and quick as he is. So he doesn't get by them. They also have better techniques. So he doesn't get by them. Mm -hmm. And then when he rises up to try to shoot over them, well, they're they're able to contest the shot in ways because they're at least as big as he he is, if not bigger, and that's the challenge that he's getting. The thing that you know is a little concerning is that, like at Wisconsin, in summer league again, small sample, but in summer league he had more turnovers than assists, and he he fouled a lot. And the fouls is are a warning sign mm-hmm. because it's a, often uh, not athletic enough. <laughs> yeah, it's a pl- indicator of a player who's overwhelmed. Right. You know when. We've all been there where, mm-hmm. you know, you're guarding somebody who's a lot better than you are and you just start hacking, yeah. you know, I, uh, I, I just a quick story. I, 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 in high school, I got stuck into a game against a guy named uh, Crawford Palmer, who okay. was 6'10". I'm about 6'2". Mm-hmm. Um, we had guys in fact. fair. Yeah. And he's 6'10". He actually went to Duke. He didn't play much at Duke, but he was mm-hmm. a scholarship athlete at Duke playing for Krzyzewski. Oh. And, um, I committed four fouls in two minutes and the coach took me out of the game because that's literally the only thing I could do. The guy was just freaking huge and he was good. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a hell of a good player and there was nothing I could do against him except foul. And that's kind of what Johnny Davis was doing in summer league. And it's a little worrisome that it's coming in summer. League. If you've got a six foot 10 raw guy, like if you took Jalen Duran, who's the youngest player in the draft and he was foul happy at summer league, I'm in no way concerned about that. It's just, you know, everybody else is bad. Everybody else is getting dusted. The center is really going to be the guy that ends up like, okay, I've got nothing to do here, but like commit a foul. When your guards are fouling out, of, you know, should be fouling out of games in less than 20 minutes of play, that that's a different story to me. Yeah. Hi, this is Kevin. And I wanted to share with you briefly about product I've recently been introduced to called Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a supplement. It's a powder form and you basically add a scoop to a cup of water in the morning and when you do you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and apigens to help you start your day right. The ingredients support gut health, support your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you can do all of it with Athletic Greens. It contains less than one gram of sugar per serving, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. 
and it still tastes good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. I can use some of that right now. It'll also, it's not expensive. It costs you less than $3 a day, and I know that a lot of folks are spending more than that on coffee or energy drinks, and this will be better for you than that. Um, Athletic Greens, in addition to when you make a purchase, for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations to help get nutritious food to kids in need. It includes the No Kid, Re- no Kid Hungry, which is, operates here in the United States. In 2020, uh, Athletic Greens donated more than 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million pills, supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens/emerging. That's athleticgreens/emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's switch because the, the Wizards, like I said, it was disappointing in the sure. respect that the guys they wanted to play well, none of them played well. Mm-hmm. But there were some pleasant surprises and some yeah. fun surprises. Uh, there was the the Pat Spencer was uh, actually, according to PPA, again, among players with at least 100 possessions, the third best PPA in summer league period. There you go. Um, yeah. He is the only player. You got this on the first try. Um, I, I sent this trivia question around to a bunch of folks. Uh, you gave me some very person. nice hints first, though, and yeah, well, in total fairness. I, I offered similar hints. Um, what, but anyway, uh, the, the only player in Summer League to average a triple-double per 100 possessions was Pat Spencer. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's a good story for him. And uh it made sense it makes sense right like he was he was productive um and they looked pretty good in his minutes um which they didn't really look that good that much of the time so it says a lot about him that this is a guy they've had in their organization and they didn't really even play him that much until later in summer league when their other people had been like unmitigated disasters so it's Even their, even when they find a guy, their talent evaluation is bad. And and you and I texted about this too. I got, I don't see a world where Pat Spencer is like a meaningful NBA player, but um, you know, if he keeps producing at a certain point, then, then ball don't lie, right? Yeah, I could see Pat Spencer having like a, a Jeremy Lin type of impact, where you know you get a bunch of injuries and whichever team that he's on at that point, because I, I don't really see this happening with the wizards. The wizards are way too smart to actually give a guy like Pat Spencer shot in, in like actual NBA games. I would, but I could see some dumb team like, you know, Milwaukee or Miami picking him up and then throwing him in there. And then he wins them like five games over three weeks because he just goes crazy. And then the league catches on, they get the scouting report and they, they figure out how to defend him, and, and that's it. Right. And he's pretty much just below average from there. And I could definitely see that happening. The uh, one thing that's funny, we I tweeted about this, but he's like the uh, the revelator of like the latent racism of NBA broadcasters, 
because the the genuine shock they have that like the greatest lacrosse player of all time, right, is is actually a good athlete is is just it's hilarious. They they think they're getting like Howell Neto or something. It's like a six foot white guy. It's like no, he can actually like put you on a poster if you don't get out of the way. Yes, and he wants to. Yeah. You know, he's competitive and a little feisty. I I got to say, I didn't. I wasn't thrilled with his defense. I felt like he. Um, yeah, he doesn't. Was, he doesn't guard people. He doesn't. He didn't guard people in the G League this year either. It's sort of not his back. Yeah. No, he's he's not. He'll fit right into Washington if they, uh-huh. if they let him play. But um, yeah, defense isn't his forte. But he he does have game and he's competitive and uh, he he's athletic. You know. It, it's yeah. I mean, lacrosse is not a sport that you can play if if you don't have you know some greater athletic ability and and I was texting with a buddy of mine that's like his general age and uh he was saying that some of his friends went to Loyola while Pat Spencer was playing lacrosse there and for anyone who doesn't know the Pat Spencer story he is literally like I don't know Kevin who's the best college basketball player of all time Kareem like yeah probably Kareem I could see like Christian Leitner being an argument for that but probably Kareem he's the Kareem of college lacrosse basically right like he's really good and he did not play college basketball for the majority of his college career and he would show up to like intramural games and be like half drunk and like trying to dunk on people (laughs) and like that was his thing was just like throw it off the backboard catch a lob and try to dunk on somebody in the rec center and that was his basketball for like a significant portion of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. He graduated, didn't want to be, you know, the best player in a major league lacrosse league that isn't all that lucrative, went to Northwestern and played basketball for one year and uh, turned himself into a reasonably productive G League and NBA player. And to me, this is like, this is a good find by by their scouting department of a guy that like, you know, again, maybe he's not. An NBA player, maybe he is. I don't know, but why not take a shot on a guy who can actually produce, and and is still like relatively out of practice. Like, I mean, not playing competitive basketball for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's ceiling left, no matter what the age is. There, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think he's he's worth a shot, especially considering you know the, you're talking about a third a third point guard, mm-hmm. a fifth guard. Mm-hmm. You know. I would like anybody else beat, beat him out for the spot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I would say he he's worth at least bringing to camp and see how he does against like legit NBA players. He was productive in, in the G league as well last season. I mean, he rated solidly above average, not where, you know, at the heights of like the, the pinnacle, but he rated, you know, a player with his rating in the G league, you would expect to be able to come in and play like, you know, eighth, ninth man kind of minutes in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it let's put it this way i don't think that he has a lot of future in the nba in part because the way that nba decisions get made is a lot of times not really based on merit it's yeah. it's based on where you got picked where you went to school who you know um th- those kinds of things i mean they like to think that it's a meritocracy but you know draft position influences playing time and earnings for like 10 years in a player's career so I, th- I think he, I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if he can play in the NBA. I kind of think that he could play like a backup, you know, guard kind of role, but I would give him a shot because of, he did enough against, you know, good guards 
at the, at the uh, summer league level. He played, he was productive at the G league level. Give him a shot against the NBA guys and just see, I mean, what do the wizards have to lose? If, you know, if, if he could come in and play the role that Neto played for the non wizards teams, he was on like that, that seems reasonable to me. Right. Like, I, and I'm not talking about the Neto that started as a small forward for the wizards and had like a higher usage rate than anybody could, you know, reasonably justify. I, I just mean like what he looked like for Philly or Utah, like the last guard on the bench. Um, I, hold on, hold on. Just got to pause for a second <clears throat> because given, given Neto and Scott Brooks this much credit, that when they went to him as their starting small forward at six feet tall, number one, his usage was only about 15%, sure. but the Wizards started winning. He, and um, he, that was the he best He played above his pay grade for sure. Oh yeah. And that was Neto's best season of his career. And I think that the real difference there was that they were replacing like Denny Avdia yeah. minutes and Denny as a rookie was basically replacement level. He wasn't good. Yeah. And so when they took Denny off the floor, and and Neto got a chance to play all of a sudden they had somebody who well first of all they could switch one through three not because because all three Westbrook are equally bad at defending yeah exactly they're all equally inept defensively so it didn't matter who was guarding who right you could just match up and then but Neto on the offensive end he could shoot the three he could attack closeouts he could do a little bit of playmaking especially as like your third guy where you're throwing in the ball because Beal and Westbrook can't get anything done. And then he's, he's like I said, he's attacking weak side um, after the defense has already rotated a couple of times. And it's like, he was much better at that than, like I said, Avdio was. And so or Bonga think, or Hutchinson oh or Robinson God. or. Yes. 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 Oh my God. That roster was just so crappy, but I, I mean, give, give Brooks credit for doing it number one and then also coming up with, at the same time with the three-headed monster look and you know brooks gets gets crapped on a lot but he did win with a starting four small forward who was six feet tall so he didn't assemble that roster yeah uh, but he did manage to, to scrape out uh you know <laughs> some wins with a really weird roster yeah you put the best five guys on the floor yeah yeah so not to go uh, too too all in on how great uh, Scott Brooks was, but so um, anyway, Pat Spencer was good. Who else did you, did you see that like pop for you? It was sort of less consistent. I, I've been like a Jordan Goodwin homer. I just like Goodwin. Um, I think he's the most likely guy to play like NBA level defense because of his athleticism. So I, I'd be curious to see where he shakes out. He rated pretty high, uh, I, 205 PPA for, for okay, some that's good. which is, which is pretty good. And he got a ton of rebounds mm-hmm. and, and, and he uh, does that. Like he, he's, we've talked about this before a lot where like, uh, you, you don't want your point guard to be the best rebounder on the floor, but if a guy finds a way to be valuable in multiple categories, like that's a good thing. Yeah. Could he shoot it better? Sure. But you're also not bringing him in to be a 45% three point shooter. Like it's. Yeah. Can he move the ball? Can he chase people? Can he get some rebounds? Can he block a couple shots, get a couple of steals? Well, it's funny that you said 45% because in summer league, he shot 45.4% for 45.5% from three, three point range. So when we had him on at the end of the G league season, he was like, look, I am a better shooter than I showed numbers wise this year. And I will vouch for him. We're like, the dude got stuck taking the grenades for the team. When the offense broke down, he was the guy heaving it. And now 
I, I don't think he is a 45% three-point shooter long-term, but I think he's better than the numbers have indicated thus far. He's a reasonable free throw shooter, you know, over the course of a real G League season. The form looks good. Yeah. So I like him. Yeah. He's he's another one that they could at least bring to camp, you know, and and see. They and I'm sure they will. I mean, I and from a role perspective, like he's the guy that's like, no, no, I want to be your Jose Alvarado. I want to pick up 94 feet. Like I will do that for you. I don't even need to touch the ball. And um, the amount of people on the wizards that are like, wait, you, you, you know, you want me to play defense? Like, Ooh, okay. So the yeah. fact that he actually is like welcoming of that, I, I think alone is refreshing enough to like give him the other two way. Like if you, if you make that deal right now, you'll hear no complaint from me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we've agreed now it's um, for the two way it's Pat Spencer and uh, <laughs> Jordan Goodwin. So for anybody that isn't caught up on that um, most of last year, it was Joel Ayayi and Cassius Winston. Ayayi was good for a while, not good for a while, good for a while, not good for a while. They eventually let him go and gave the other two way to Jordan Shackle at the end of the season. I think they mutually agreed that a parting of ways with Cassius Winston was probably for the best. And now that second two-way is vacant at the moment. So it's shackle and question mark. Um, and yeah. I did see a lot of tweets of like, and, and I sort of jokingly tweeted this out. Winston had one really good summer league game for Philly while I was there. And everyone was like, oh, we never gave him a real chance. Like, no, they gave him every chance. He couldn't yeah. stay healthy. He doesn't guard anyone. He's not an NBA athlete. And he was a microwave scorer for them. Um, but you know, that's just not, again, it's the translation thing. He, he can barely get a shot off against NBA players. Yeah. I mean, he, he guzzled possessions at the G league level. I mean, yeah. we're talking usage rate of like James Harden level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, he, he, you can't have a slow, not very strong, doesn't leap well, six, one guard doing that in the NBA. Like, even Chris Paul doesn't play like that. Yeah. And Chris Paul is like of all the six one guys in the world who could conceivably play like that, he would be the guy. Yep. And he doesn't play like that. It, it's the translation thing that we talked about at the beginning. Like you yeah. could be the most productive G League player of all time in a particular role, but that's not a role you'll ever get in the NBA. So anyone that thinks he was going to come in and you know be like this savvy veteran point guard off the bench, you know, this really heady guy that's just gonna run the offense and you know hit step or like you know hit catch and shoot threes like. That's not what he did. He pounded the shit out of the ball and dribbled it around. And then if he couldn't get a shot off, he grenaded it over to Goodwin who heaved it from 35 feet. Like, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he shot a good percentage, but it, it's just, it's not happening. Sorry. Yeah. Now, one thing I wondered about, um, and maybe you know this bit a little better than I would, what, what was the obsession with starting Pierre? I don't know how you say his name, but Pierre Hunt Henry? Yeah, that was a very good question. I, I think I tweeted this during all five games. Um, like, okay, this. We well, didn't even play the last one. But. All right, exactly. I still thought it. Um, why? Why is this guy like being involved at the moment? Because it, it was just what, what they saw there is is a guy that played defense at the Euroleague level, and he was a smart, savvy defender, and that's fine. That he was somebody's Gary Payton the second, but to ask him to come in and be the starting point guard on a summer league team, like I partially attribute the issues that Davis and Todd and some of these guys had to just like them 
just taking a shit on the roster with regard to point guard play. This is the second year in a row. Like if you watch last year's team, Kispert actively looked bad because they were like, here, Corey, go break someone down off the dribble. And that's not his game. It's not six foot 10 Isaiah Todd's game. And unfortunately right now it's not uh, Johnny Davis's game. Like just if how much better would these guys look if they had an NBA level facilitator on them? Now, granted, we don't have this person on our team, but like some of the Thunder guys looked better because they played next to Josh Giddy in summer league. And he was so much better. He could get them any look he wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't have a, a rep, you know, a reasonable equivalent to that, but if you had just started Dotson, like, yeah, he's small. And again, I can talk about him too, but at least he'll like move the ball and get people a few open looks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Henry did other than like, he was like backing people down from three quarters court because he was too slow to get by them. Yeah. He produced uh, like a lot of assists relative to the number of positions, but I could not remember a single pass, a single one of them. It didn't feel right? like he was creating looks for no, people. It, unlike, like, I think if they had played Pat Spencer, to be honest, like gone ahead and started him, because you looked at like some of the stuff he was doing with um, Eshenike, Um Yeah, people and, collapsed on him and he, and he had a dump off pass for a dunk. And like, when, yeah. when did Henry do that? You think about like how James Weissman looked sometimes um, with Golden State when he was on the floor with McClung. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, that kind of thing to your point of like having competent point guard play um, is is pretty is is valuable for guys like that. You know? Yeah, I, I didn't get the Henry thing. I made this joke on our show last week, but a lot of turnovers, too. And it, it was a bad sign when you saw a guy whose shorts hang three inches below his knees starting for an NBA summer league team. It's like, this is clearly an old man. Look, um, this is not, this is not going to be good for us. And he, he looked slow and unathletic. And I think he, you know, he just, it, it was fine to try and it should have been very evident to them by game two, that that was not going to be what they hoped it would be. And just uh, like his shooting 28.6% on twos, um, and 25% on threes. So I didn't even five. remember him making a three. So that's actually surprising. Yeah. So, um, let me skim across real quick. Well, part of probably the reason you didn't is you might've like blinked because he was one for four. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It makes me feel a little better that I didn't miss him. Just like heaving them up and making a quarter of them. So yeah, no, it wasn't like he went on some binge and, um, you know, so yeah, so I think we've beaten this up pretty good. I mean, like I said, I, it's just the team was relatively successful in the sense that they went free and two. They had a positive scoring differential, but it still is, for me anyway, was really disappointing to see how the team performed and especially to see like the younger guys uh, and the guys that they wanted to play well, that they want to be part of it. We'll, we're, we haven't talked much about Shackle yet. Uh, we'll get to him by telling you on your portion of the podcast. I, I want to ask you one, about one more, and that is Dotson yeah. for a minute, because there were times where I thought, shit, if Dotson was three inches taller, I'd want him to be the last roster spot on the Wizards. I'm mm-hmm. curious if the numbers sort of support that, because I, I thought he was meaningful and impactful for them for stretches, and then not so good for others. But at least there were those flashes we talked about with him um, you know, at, at times. Yeah, his his rating was uh, and his overall number is not very good, but his and his ratings not was not good either. Okay. Um, he did produce he little guy, yeah. but eight and a half rebounds per hundred possessions, 
10.4 assists, which is pretty good. His turnovers were not um, outrageous three per hundred possessions, which is actually below average for a summer league player, but 6.7 fouls per hundred possessions. So yeah, that, that's was, always going to be the problem. He was hacking pretty good, and he, he shot really badly, 37.5% on twos. 22.2% on threes and just 64% from the free throw line. So maybe by comparison with Henry, but he looked better to me of, of the two options. Um, yeah. It's funny because he actually rated slightly lower, lower. than Henry mm-hmm. did overall. But I mean, when I say slightly, yeah. it, they're in the, their overall rating in PPA was basically in that about the same. So like neither guy distinguished themselves, I would say. Um, Dodson, I could see a little more of a path forward with him. Mm-hmm. Like you can see yeah. uh, some he's, potential just because of the quickness and the speed. Right. You know, There's an NBA skill there somewhere, being able to push with, the ball. With Henry, you know, I I can remember just sort of looking at the screen with what I know was a very puzzled look on my face. Like, what what um, is the theory of this yeah. player? It, it was funny. They had like a clear guy they were looking for of like six three play some defense it it was him it was Taj McCall it was Craig Sword I actually think both McCall and Sword and we've seen Sword do it are guys you could just like throw into an NBA game on a 10-day contract and they'd be fine for like a couple of minutes here there play a little defense maybe hit a quarter three eat up some fouls but they're not guys you want to like build the future of your team around they're they're yeah. not you know future building blocks or, or whatever and to me, like, I was not particularly keyed in on this player, but a lot of people tweeted at me before summer league, like, hey, Quentin Jackson, Quentin Jackson, mm-hmm. he's interesting. Yeah, I saw things from Quentin Jackson that, hmm, okay, that guy could be impactful for an NBA team eventually. Probably not there yet, a little too skinny, you know, um, streaky shooter, that that sort of thing, but like there were some makings of an NBA player there where with the rest of the roster, I didn't get it. And it made no sense to me that they continued to get minutes over someone like Jackson. If it's the one takeaway from summer league is you found a diamond in the rough and someone like that, that's a successful summer league to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed Jackson. I thought he was, he was good. He's definitely, he, he plays hard mm-hmm. and he's, he's fast. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a nice combination and relatively rare for Wizards. I, I just, you know, another good athlete. Go figure. The the last guy I can remember who was like had jets was John Wall, of yeah. course. And Jackson's not at that level, but right. um, yeah, there's nobody on the team right now that you would just say, you know, holy guy, that guy can yeah, with blazing speed there. Okay. Um, with Jackson. I don't know. I mean, he's certainly, I think I would invite him to camp. You know, I don't think my guess is he would be be in the G League next year and probably not in the in the two way contract range. Um, but, you know, he he showed enough that he's he like you said, interesting, I think, is the right word. Yeah. He's someone I would want to bring back on the go go and get another look at. Yeah. And see if he can fit into a system, like a real system, see if he can shoot threes consistently, um, use the speed for useful things. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Why don't we uh, wrap up our summer league conversation here and we will switch over to the Believe in Wizards podcast. So everybody um, go over to Matt's feed and we will be talking about player archetypes and other stuff. Mm -hmm. 